You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, playing underground music since 1969. Follow us on Twitter at KUCI FM or like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash KUCI 88.9. This way, you can be the first to know when we will be giving away tickets to your favorite concerts, festivals, and events. The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information on this or other KUCI programs, visit KUCI.org or KUCI.org. Good morning, Irvine, and welcome to an amazing episode of Sports Matters. I'm your host, Kevin Drake, and it's April 14th, 2020, in the heart of the coronavirus. And your other host, Mr. Matt Burt Sports, how you doing this morning? I can't complain, Kevin. Ah, always good, man. How you been holding up? How was your Easter weekend? Well, it was nice. Pretty relaxing. And, uh, yeah, didn't really do much following the protocols and just staying inside. Well, real quick, ladies and gentlemen, we do have Tom Bindewall, DJ6, is staying over. Give us an update on this coronavirus. DJ6, a.k.a. Tom Bindewall, decided to stay over from his show this past Easter weekend. This is Tuesday, April 14th. How you doing, Tom? I'm doing good. Excellent. And a question for you. We talk about NFL, and I guess one of the news over the weekend was that Dak Prescott wasn't in the six feet required distance working out with Des Bryant. Do you see any issues with that? No, I, I don't see any issues because neither one of them is, is sick. And if they got sick, well, they they would do the responsible thing and call their doctor if it gets bad enough and then uh, probably wait like seven days after they, they felt better or yeah. 14 days and then it'll be fine. Draw, you do go into the grocery store, you do go to take out stuff. So you, you could in practice get sick from somebody or, or you could sneeze on somebody else. Sure. I mean, you're still in close contact with the cashiers. I mean, right. not quite a, you're still within the six foot range. Yeah. Even though you're using a self-automated credit card machine or whatnot, or like with me, I have the watch. I just go. Boop, oh, well, I, I hand them money. <laughs> I have to hand them money often. Yeah. They say, wash your hands afterwards, which you know. But thinking about this, what is the fear here that we're going to be stuck in this kind of living for a while until they have a vaccine? So vaccines are not easy to create for every virus that's out there. In fact, most don't have vaccines of, of this type. The more severe ones, measles, German measles, mumps, polio, et cetera, they do have vaccines. There's, there's something about the biology that, you know, it's not a trivial task. Let's just put it that way. They do have, we're all familiar with the flu shots. What I'm not aware of is each year how many, how many flu types they put into the flu, flu type, uh, into the flu shot. But as you know, they recommend at least getting a flu shot every other year. And I do know that there are times where they'll add some other flu, you know, strain into the flu shot. You know, the best we may get out of any kind of flu or, or this being more of a, what we colloquially call a cold right. flu, uh, a cold virus, you know, you may get like you get with tetanus, maybe you get five years, two years. 10 years, and then they say, go get a booster shot. So how often would, do we need to get these shots? I know there's like a chart where you have to have these shots every so often, tetanus shot, things like that. Well, I think to always err on uh, the side of caution, like I, I always get a like a tetanus shot when I'm asked because I, I can't ever remember when I got my last one. Same here. <laughs> and then 
And then if you travel and you have traveled yes. and I have traveled overseas, there's a recommended set of shots you should get, not only just for viruses, but other kinds of bad things like malaria and yellow fever and things like that. So, you know, you, you definitely consult with your doctor and, and find out, Hey, should I get this shot? You can also get booster shots for mumps, measles, and, you know, in other words, another round of inoculation for that virus. And just check with your doctor and say, you know, I, I think I'd feel comfortable if I, if I got another, you know, round of all these measles and German measles and mumps shots and, you know, they'll just schedule it for you. Yeah, I'm sure they're going to have a, a big wave of people wanting to get that done after this pandemic. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I have definitely thought about getting some, you know, another set of like measles and mumps and German measles shots myself just because it's been a long time since I had, yeah. had that vaccine shot, you know, back in grammar school, I think, right? Do you yeah. remember getting your shots? <laughs> you know, I mean, we're supposed to have like a chart of all the shots, but you know, I don't remember. It's just when I go for my physical and whatever the doctor says, you know, they check you out, they check your blood and things yeah. of that nature. And we just kind of base it off there. But I do get my flu shot every year, which is good. As you get older, you know, your immune system eventually gets a little bit weaker, but I try to stay in shape. Right. The other thing to take note of is that for all these various types of flu and respiratory infectious viruses, such as what is now, I think they've been given the official name of sars V2 is that as you get older, starting like in your 40s or 50s, especially, a fair number of people within the population start developing cardiovascular issues. Other people may have medical issues that, you know, type 2 diabetic, other, other things. So they are much more likely to encounter severe respiratory problems when the, when they do catch a cold and of course that means we should all be mindful and think of our you know our grandparents or our parents if they're older and you True. Know, don't you know if, if you've been cold in the last if, if you've gotten sick in the last week take two weeks and wait <laughs> before right. you go over and see them or something like that i think that's what they're stressing now is that they want everyone wearing masks to protect the other people, protect the people that are most vulnerable so they can flatten this curve so the healthcare system's not overwhelmed with all these people getting sick. And it was like uh, what Governor uh, Cuomo said of New York is that, you know, you talk about the ventilators. He says, by the time you get to the ventilator, he says, that's pretty much the last resort. You're more or less facing death. He goes, yes, the people that are on ventilators, yes, there's a high death rate. He says, that's just the last resort. He says, you just got to fight this thing. You know, breathe in deep, even though it hurts so bad. And you just got to fight as the best of your ability. Yeah, well, so keep in mind, most of the people that are going to get hospitalized are, are people that have pre-existing medical conditions in, in general. And they're going to be older. And if you look at the demographics and you go to the CDC, or, you, or you'll, you'll see that that's been the, been the case. So, and then you point out, of course, if you're on a ventilator, you're you're in severe respiratory distress already. You might recover, but yeah, more of a moon. Now, regarding the mask thing, the problem with the mask, and I wore one when I was in Beijing, is, well, they're really supposed to be a one-use thing. And even if you had the filter ones, you're supposed to clean and there's a, you know, something you're supposed to do with the filter and clean it in a certain way. Right. So I would say, 
definitely when you're around high risk people, it's a good idea to wear a mask. If you're not sick, you're interacting with people that are, you know, don't have medical issues, aren't older, aren't, you know, sick, follow common courtesy. If you feel like you're going to sneeze, you know, try to sneeze into your, into your napkin or your, or your tissue and that kind of thing. It the problem seems, is yeah. wearing the mask out all day, which, which I did, but I used to like change the underneath part with a right. paper towel there is it's going to get dirty and it's not really going to be effective. It may be even worse because you're, you're going to have all your little droplets and that, and you're just going to rebreathe a lot of your own stuff. Yeah. Not to mention all the dust and the dirt that it's going to collect from the air. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I saw this huge line at Walmart the, in the back part of the store. I'm like, what is this huge line for? So I was picking up a few supplies for renovating sure. around my condo and it was the fabrics. People were buying up all the fabrics so they could make their mask. Right. And, but then again, you know, you don't keep it clean and, and that's, that's the thing. That's why, yes, I, I would say, you know, you're around people that you're worried about getting sick and you're worried about sneezing on them and, you're not sure whether whether you're sick sure wear a mask you know when you're around in that situation when you're outside walking uh, i mean there there's enough pollution in the air i'm more yeah. worried about the pollution in the air <laughs> than than that and athletes especially i think they're pretty sensible people and that they, they've got a whole career ahead of them or or they're in their career so i think that they look after their health pretty well. Now, they're scared of us saying that, obviously, we know this, there's going to be a second wave. You know, you figure the summer comes around, it gets hot. We could return to back to some activities that we were able to do before, but I'm sure there's going to be social distancing for quite some time. Well. How is that second wave going to affect us? Well, the, first of all, you got to think, we usually have bad flu seasons because the flu that we get circulated in the general population is one that hasn't been around for a while. And we have lost a little bit of our efficiency in, in combating it. The immune system response is slower because after a while that, like I said, you know, for certain viruses that obviously things taper off. Okay. So if you've been exposed to the coronavirus, the, the question is there, there are other ones that have in existence. There are other colloquial, you know, cold viruses in existence, when you encounter them in a light enough fashion that it doesn't make you sick, but it elicits an immune system response, you're, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be able to deal with it. If you do get it and you did have a, a coronavirus type or a cold, and hopefully it wasn't too bad, you know, nothing worse than a sore throat and a runny nose and sneezing and and that, and you got over it in seven days, then you're going to have antibodies for a while. And so if you get re-exposed to it, you know, it, it's, it's hard to know, but you get right. re-exposed, you get re-exposed to a lot of stuff every year. True. And, you know, you can consult with a doctor, maybe, you know, someone KUCI will interview a person that actually deals with that and actually has the statistics on, on that. But in general, you know, you, you, you've got some immunity for a while. The only rebound effect would be people that never caught it were never around anyone who even had a little bit of it. And so it's a brand new thing to them. 
an unfortunate brand new thing to them. No, that's some fascinating information. And in general, everybody be safe out there. Listen to the WHO, the World Health Organization, to all the recommendations so we can, we can flatten this curve and, you know, get out of this. But one last question for you, getting back to sports, is there going to be an NBA season this year or do you think they're going to cancel it? You know, just this morning, I think there was talk that they're going to cancel it. And, and I had said uh, back in March that if they didn't get back into the season, like within three weeks, it would be impossible to like restart the season. Now, it would still have been possible to say, okay, the, the teams that qualify for the playoffs, we'll, we'll let you play like two weeks worth of games. We'll give you a week of warm-ups and then play a couple, you know, two weeks worth more of games, kind of get the rankings and that, and then proceed into a, a playoff thing, which would probably be an abbreviated, you know, abbreviated playoffs. So that, that was my thought. It's now getting into the, you know, second week of April. I think they're, they're about, what, four or five weeks into being, you know, laid off, right? You know, right. It's been and, a month. You know, if you're talking about trying to do something in May, now you're looking at almost two months off. And you're just not in playing shape. Now, it's going to come down, I think, to a vote with the players. I can tell you people like LeBron James are probably going to want to have a playoff because you've got to figure he's coming towards the end of his career. He, he's thinking, I want, to, I want to win a championship. I want to win for the Lakers. I Absolutely. Don't know he, he made a good point, too, with uh, the first year with the Cavaliers when Kyrie was hurt, Kevin Love was hurt. I mean, he could have won a championship then. But you're right. He wants to win a championship this year. And the Lakers had the momentum. I mean, my goodness, they're playing the, the best basketball out of any team. And, and they finally beat the Clippers. And it, they just showed that Anthony Davis and LeBron James were just a tough duo to beat. Well, they, they were definitely in good position to contend for it, without a doubt. I think they had the best probability of winning the West, and that would put them up against either Milwaukee, you know, obviously is playing well. I think uh, the team, the Raptors, I think, are playing well. And then you, you've got uh, Boston that's playing well. So, yeah. Yeah, it'd be Question interesting. Is, I mean, I know LeBron's not selfish, so he's going to accept whatever occurs. Right, right. It's just frustrating. It's just frustrating. It frustrating. He's playing at a high level, but he knows he's on the back end of his career. To have the season canceled, it's just like, geez, it just reminds him of the other, like, couple of failed seasons where due to injury and whatnot, you know, out right. of his control. But you can only control what you control. Yeah, go ahead. Think of tennis. Yeah. I was thinking of Serena Williams, and I thought, well, they, I think they've just about canceled everything. They the have, DVD. but the weird thing is the French Open's the only Grand Slam that got – uh, postponed until I, the end of September, but I don't know if the U.S. Open is still on. I mean, that's in August. That's in August and beginning of September. Well, so they I haven't. Thought, an, they have not announced that they've canceled the U.S. Open. So far, it's just Wimbledon is the only one that's been canceled. So the entire right. grass season's canceled. Yeah, that got me thinking. I, it'll be interesting to see if they play the French Open if they've actually, since you mentioned they've moved it out to September. I was thinking Serena Williams, I mean, maybe this year off stays in good shape. It'll actually benefit her because, you know, the season always has its wear and tear when you're – It does. When you have to play at that high level. 
Right. And you figure tennis is a 10 and a half month season. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there's yeah. so many, I mean, you got the four grand slams and the nine ATP WTA big tournaments. So yes, it's quite a bit. Well, Tom, we don't want to keep you any longer, let you enjoy the rest of your day today, but thank you so much. And you can find Tom on the Ladies of Voice Entertainment and Music every Tuesday mornings from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine or KUCI.org. Have a great day, Tom. You too, Kevin. All right, get back to sports matters here. First of all, I'd like to wish Jonah Roddick a happy birthday. He's down there in Camp Pendleton. Thank you for all you do and stay safe down there. And, and happy 21st. We will get a drink when we can. Oof. He's 21. He's legal. I know. I remember my 21st. (laughs) Or do I? (laughs) You're not supposed to remember your 21st. Uh, I don't. (laughs) I don't remember mine. All I know is the few days afterwards, I was sick. So I must have had a good time. I know. I didn't even want to look at any alcoholic drinks for like two or weeks after that. So I'm sure he's going to have a fun time, though. Did you go to Las Vegas? Did you go to Vegas? No. No, No, I did not. Uh, I wish I did, but I did not. I was in Cincinnati, but. Yeah, I didn't go anywhere crazy, but I just don't remember. The good thing is, I wasn't driving. <laughs> I know. Well, mine was on a, I think it was a Tuesday or a Monday. It was during the week, and I, I was at class. And I didn't want to go out because I was like, All right, it's Monday, no one's going to be out. But everyone's like, nah, we're taking you to the bars. And then there's scene missing. And I remember waking up really hungover the next day. So <laughs> fun times, but yeah. One shot after out another. Oh gosh. They, yeah. Yeah. They just kept going and going and going. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then, uh, yeah, that's about it. You know, you guys stay safe out there. People are going to prayer pressure you into doing things and don't be like me, be better. Well, Real quick, I got some breaking news I'd like to share with our listeners is that the Rams are trading wide receiver Brandon Cooks to the Texans. Mm. So the Texans had to do something. And Where are they getting in return? So this, this is just really fresh off the hot wire. Texas will send a second-round draft pick for the Rams for Cooks and a future pick, sources said. So it looks like they're getting two picks. Yeah, you know, I mean, once you let Todd Gurley go, I, that that's a crazy situation right there. Because you figure you paid him all this money, you didn't use him as 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 much. Like his productivity, you know, dropped a little bit last year. Um, I don't know what the you know to make of all that. You know, we were in camp too. It looked like everything was going to be okay. Like, hey, it's going to be a good season. It just didn't pan out. You know, bygones be got bygones. But at least the Texans and their in their case getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson, you know, some it's, whatever, you know, picks. Now they get their receiver. It's it's more about the dead cap space, I believe. Um, I see. They gave Cooks a huge contract, and they gave Ty Gurley a big contract, and they really haven't performed to where their contract numbers are. True. Um, and so if you're going to make the, the logical move as you go for guys that are um, maybe not as – talented but are still going to be serviceable and you can pay them less so that you can pay up in different positions so I think they're going to try and 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 go into this draft with a little bit of a a rebuild kind of mode I don't foresee the Rams being all that great next year especially in a division that's got no 
you you got the Cardinals. You got better. Yep. I mean, you got the Niners. Yep. And you got yeah. Seattle, who's who's Russell Wilson and the guys. They're they're going to be a tough team. They're always a tough team. So you're right. Yeah. It's but you make up a good point though. I wanted to touch on earlier what you were talking about. You know, uh, with with them making moves with the salary cap. It's mm-hmm. it's like you're paying these guys you know, big dollars and then they don't perform up to that level of the contract. So we're probably going to see more of this because you've seen a lot of big contracts go out and look, now you're seeing Cam Newton is going to be looking for a new job. Same, same with Jameis Winston. And I think Jameis Winston is very talented, but he is mistake prone. So hopefully that gets better, but get back with the Rams. Yeah, you're right. It's more like they're kind of really, you know, build themselves up so they can really widen that window and, and get that, that second chance. It's like golf yeah. is the man. That's that's going to be the guy. Build up the offensive line. It's good that Andrew Whitworth is going to be around to help with the younger guys. And you're right. They're acquiring picks so they can get – they could do something in this draft because, you know what, this draft is wide receiver deep. Like, it unbelievable. Is. It is. It is very wide receiver deep. There's a lot of really good talent out there in this draft for sure. Um, I just see them going to these younger players in – trying to get them uh, more experience and more reps. Uh, you look at this as a very positive move for guys like Cooper Cup and uh, Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown. Um, you look at those guys specifically, and you can put Robert Woods and Gerald Everett in there too and Higby, and you, you look at it as a pretty solid core from the receiving end right. and the running back end. I don't think that it's going to be – when I say that they're going to not – they're going to finish last in the division. I don't think it is because of the Rams being bad, but more along the lines of the division just gotten so It's, it's going to be tougher. tougher. But if the Rams have a really good draft, you know, bring some good young talent, it could really change up the team. And, yeah, it, I mean, it's going to be a battle regardless. You know, it's yeah, still it, going to be the 49ers, you know, Seattle are the tops of the division. The Rams are the third-place team. They're going to be battling out with the Cardinals. But, you know, anything could happen in that division. Now there's been so many changes and shakeup. It's, that's what's going to make it interesting. But is there going to be an NFL season? I mean, they, I'm sure they could play without fans. Uh, yeah, I mean, like you are probably will see one. Um, I mean, who knows what the – the world is going to look like post-COVID sports. Um, they are gearing up to play uh, baseball in an unusual fashion, kind of not the segue away from the Rams, but uh, they, they do have a big draft coming up. But it's kind of interesting to see what baseball is doing. Baseball is going to play its games at the end of May is the plan, and they are all flying to Arizona and they are going to play seven innings, back-to-back games, uh, in order to catch themselves up to the regular season. Um, that is their plan as of right now. It could change. Who knows? But that's hey, So you're going. saying that they're just still going to try to cram in 162 games? Yes. Wow. Which, I mean, like I've been, I've been out there saying they have an opportunity to do something really cool and something that could be – beneficial for them in the future but I don't think they see it as that um, I think they see it as trying to play 162 games and uh, the way that they're going to do that is they're going to play seven innings baseball 
back-to-back games each day. It's going to conflict with a lot of sports, up. you think. Right. You know, you're going to have hockey going. You're going to have basketball going. If they're, if they're going to be playing baseball, the NBA is going to be playing. And everybody's going to want to watch NBA and NHL. Now, the, the rumors that I've been reading about both of those, um, the NHL is doing stuff like playing – only uh, X amount of games and then doing the playoffs in one of the Dakotas, I think North Dakota. That's what they were assuming that they were going to do. Um, I don't think that they've gotten very far in that. I think everyone is kind of waiting behind the NBA. Uh, They're all going to see what the NBA does. And if the NBA cancels the season, you'll see, NHL cancel their season. You'll see all these sort of dominoes fall because of the NBA. Um, I think you will probably see an NFL um, stadiums being filled uh, just based off of where everyone is. The unfortunate thing is that we are seeing a second wave in China, um, which that may hinder People, if it's uh, doesn't get contained, obviously, but if, if that flares up, then we will see the NFL maybe not playing games and maybe not playing with people well, in I the mean, stadium. That's, that's a fact what you just said. There is going to be a second wave. It's, it's weird how this virus is spreading. It, it's, it's spreading fast, but it's a slow process. It's a slow mutation process. And – and with everybody staying in like we are, that we're following the, the rules and all, yes, we're, we're going to be cooped up a lot longer than we think, but it's working. It's, it's slowly flattened this curve because you think about it, in Orange County, we have 3.2 million people here, and we have roughly over 1,300, uh, close to 1,200 cases that are tested positive for COVID-19. And who's to say it could be double that? We don't know, but still out of 3.2 million, if it's 2,400 people, it's – if we stay inside, I mean, that's 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 good. That's good news. As long as it doesn't keep going up. But right yeah, now, as long as it, we're still it, we're still in the upward phase. We haven't quite peaked out yet. No, and I think we'll see a little bit after this week. It'll it'll give us a, a more of an indication of where we are. Um, I mean, there are a lot of things that we are doing correctly, and there's a lot of things that are helping us out. Um, I think we will see this, you know, eventually come down. The curve will hit, the peak will hit, and then it will come down. Uh, The problem is that there will be uh, a second wave, and it's all about maintaining that second wave. Now, uh, the thing about it is, you know, there's people who have the virus that aren't showing symptoms, and those are spreading it to other people, and so – uh, it's vitally important that everyone stays inside, and you've obviously heard everything about that. Um, just keep listening to the local officials. But if you're looking for sports to come back and give you uh, a sense of of relief and a sense of you know normalcy, we might not get that. And it's kind of the reality that we're in. Um, the UFC, after talking about buying an island, yeah. <laughs> which, I mean, I, they ended up... You, you read that article. Event. Yeah, they, they ended up canceling that event because ESPN told them, we don't want to broadcast this if it's on an island. Um, and the UFC canceled it because you're not going to pay... If you're going to get uh, viewership from 
ESPN or whatever you want them to be right. able to telecast it. So that got canceled, but it just kind of opens the possibilities. I mean, I could see Spike TV just going out there and having a huge just MMA fight on island and people would pick that up and watch it for sure. Um, I mean, you will eventually see some pretty creative things throughout all of this. Right. But uh, the UFC is not going to be doing that. But who's to say one of these minor, you know, MMA, like the Bellator or anyone else does that? Yeah, and, you, know, you know, I was talking to my friend back in Kentucky earlier today, and he was talking about, oh, yeah, the Kentucky Derby's going on. It's going to be in November. I go, I didn't realize they rescheduled it. So the Triple Crown's going to happen in November, and that's kind of odd because – Triple crowns usually in you know, May, but I mean, it'll be a different set of horses for that one, but that's going to be kind of odd to have it you know, more in the winter time because Kentucky weather that time of year could be snowing. I mean, it could be nice. Who knows? Could be. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. You never know. It's just uh, crazy what we're experiencing. We've never experienced this before ever. No, we've never experienced it. So it's all new for everyone. Um, I think that, there are moving the masters to November as well. If I read what I read correctly. Um, and I think we'll probably start to see around that time frame. They'll let in people into those big events. Um, and if that's November, I mean, this is April right now. It's not even mid April and this, we're still a while away from this. So, Right. Um, I mean, and, and for them to, you know, really come up with a vaccine, it's, it's like they're making some headway, but still. It's not going to be mean, available for this I mean, year. The, so. the soonest would be 12 months, which would be awesome. You know, yeah. That's, that's the thing I like about this country. You know, they're very resilient. Yes, we, we definitely uh, got off to a slow start, and now we got this major problem. And also the way our country's structured, because this is the land of the free, so it took a lot longer to get people quarantined. But at the same time, this country is resilient where we, we're really good at problem solving, even though we've kind of dug ourselves a hole. <laughs> but hopefully, I'm trying to be optimistic. Hopefully, there's something. We could come up with something within 12 months of this outbreak. Yeah, we'll see. But at least we have the NFL draft to uh, distract us a little bit uh, yeah. in April. So, so here are Cincinnati Bengals have the number one overall pick. The number one overall pick according to Kevin Drake, is who? It's going to be Joe Burrow. And, I mean, let's Do you like that? No, I like it. You know, it, it worked out for him. The, the last time they had a number one overall pick, they picked Carson Palmer. And that turned out really good, you know, until he got hurt. Injuries are part of the game. But Carson Palmer definitely was, was the real deal. But, yeah, I like it. They definitely got a lot of draft picks. They did it. They were really busy in the offseason, too. They signed some pretty good defensive players. They got a nice defensive tackle from Houston. They got, you know, a really good quarterback from Minnesota. You know, they slowly, bits and pieces, have built this team back up. So, we'll see. We'll see uh, what Zach Taylor has in store. Hopefully, we can be like the Rams were a couple years ago. Yeah, I mean, it could. Could be. And I will say this is that – Quarterbacks that are really good, that have rookie deals, they tend to be very beneficial for the franchise that has them. So it could be looking up. Um, I think Joe Burrow is the number one overall pick, too. Uh, and I'm curious to see what all these teams are going to do because it's kind of a weird draft this year. You're seeing 
a lot of defensive players and a lot of wide receivers um, are kind of the the top athletes in these drafts. So you will eventually probably see one be Joe Burrow, two be Chase Young, and uh, a lot of teams are going to be trying to trade up for that number two overall pick. Um, I wonder where Tua is going to go. That's the interesting question. Yeah. I think Tua – if he goes in the top 10, I will be really surprised. I know that they're saying that his recovery has been great, and I know they're saying this and that, but I just – like he dislocated and broke his hip. Like that – Yeah. I mean, that's what killed Bo Jackson's crew. I know the advancement of, of modern technology and the well, medical Well, Bo, Bo had a – it was even more than that. Somewhere it popped a vessel or somewhere along the line. He nearly bled out. Yeah, he yeah. nearly died from that. But you're right. It was That was just a freak accident with Bo Jackson. It just shows you his pure strength. It was just a routine tackle where the guy grabbed him around the waist, hung onto his leg, and Bo, he runs with such force that he was trying to run out of that tackle and nearly did, and that's when the hip at that angle just cracked. Or he yeah. popped out, and it just yeah, it, it was sad. I think when he popped it back in, it's probably where it could have severed one of the arteries. But that was just such a bummer because Bo was an amazing athlete. I mean, amazing. I was watching on Facebook; they're showing the, the, on this date in history he breaks a bat over his head. I mean, a major league wooden bat. He just snaps it like a twig. <laughs> yeah, he's the most special athlete of all time. But, uh, um, but yeah, get back to what we were talking about, about Tua, the draft. Tua. Tua. I think Tua, you know, I, I just – if I was an NFL team, I wouldn't draft him personally. Um, I know you like to get quarterbacks. I know this and that. The quarterbacks in this class, I think you can kind of wait on them. You're getting kind of the same talent. There's not really much of a, a bigger um, – floor like the floor is pretty even between all of these guys there's not a Deshaun Watson or Andrew Luck sitting in the draft there's really not I mean you have a couple of interesting options you have the kid out of Utah State um who's actually pretty good he uh is being scouted by a bunch of these teams uh he looks to be a good option Justin Herbert looks to be a good option as well uh we just discussed Joe Burrow so um I think there are a lot more than we'd expect. Uh, there's Eason, too, uh, the quarterback out of Washington. So I, I think they all have kind of the similar right. floors and not as high of a ceiling. But you definitely see a ton, a ton of defensive players in this draft that could yep. just go in and change a roster. Chase Young, Simmons for the Clemson Tigers. Um I mean, you have uh, – I can't draft. pronounce his last – it's a super deep draft for defense. Uh, the Ohio State as, cornerback – As well as wide well. receivers, so you got – And both. wide receivers, too. The two Alabamas are the featured uh, wide receivers in this draft right now, and Ruggs and Judy. So, we'll see. I, I like all of the people that I just named, um, but, I mean, how many of these are going to be – Franchise changers, probably a good lot of them, and they're not going to be from the quarterback position and the ones that you see that come in and and make the Pro Bowls. I just don't see it in this class. But then again, I've been wrong. In these NFL drafts, they sit there the entire year, 
I've said this before. They have people just sit and watch tape of these college players and try to predict the draft, and it, they're wrong all the time. And NFL teams are wrong all the time, and you really don't know what you get until you, you I pick think them. I think one of the X factors, so they have the one-on-one interview so you can really find out who this person is and what drives them. You know, do they have this burning desire to be great? But, you know, get back to having the number one pick. If I'm drafting number one and I need a quarterback, then you, you go with Joe Burrow. I mean, that's it, – it's, it's a very, very good pick. And if you, if you don't need a quarterback, you want to trade out, then you go for Chase Young, you know, as, as your top pick. But either way, you know, they're going to come away with something. And, you know, they got – they're picking the, the top pick of every, <laughs> of every round. So the Bengals are – Already acquired some free agents. Yeah, sure. so but you also got to remember they're in a tough division too. They got the Cleveland Browns who are also a little bit more improved. Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be back. Big Ben's going to be back, and then come on, you got Lamar and the Ravens. Yeah, it's a tough division for sure. Um, but I mean, you're you're sitting good if you draft Joe Burr, you're in a great spot either way. Like I'm I'm not trying to say he's he's a bad pick. I'm just saying you. We'll see the real franchise changers be not from the quarterback position. And I think Joe Burrow is by far the, the safe pick, and it's the great pick because people are going to get behind it, um, especially in Ohio and him being an Ohio kid. But I, right. I just, you know, it's like it's the smart move to do. You can't just think about, well, I need this and that. Well, we don't have this. You know, you just you pick. And we'll get to see to work. what kind of coach Zach Taylor really is, because obviously yeah. he inherited Andy Dalton. But this year, really, we'll really get to see what Zach Taylor is about, where he could take this kid under his wing and, and just not so much build a team around him, but you know, use the best of his talents, which he's pretty talented. It's just giving him time he's to talented. throw and, and give him the weapons. A.J. Green's healthy. It'll, it'll be interesting. And I love Alden Tate. He's another one that could just get up and – grab some passes, but then they got Mike Thomas, you know, from, from the Rams who, who, who had a couple really good camps. So yeah. I'm kind of familiar with him. He wore number 88 with the Rams. And he, you know, he, he was productive. I mean, he, he filled in, you know, especially when they were without cooks and woods and had pretty good games. Yeah. So uh, not the Mike Thomas of new Orleans saints, not to no. be confused, but definitely has no. ta- some talent though. For sure. But, yeah, I'm hoping for NFL season, even if they don't play with the fans. But my question is to you, is college football, if they're not unable to play in front of fans, that season could get canceled. What are your thoughts on that? You know, if if they're saying November for all these events, I think November is the timeline that is most reasonable to assume right now in April. I, if it goes in the November, that means that you're starting the college football season two months late. And that is something that is kind of concerning because if you're factoring in right classes, uh, which is something that they look at, you're going to be playing these bowl games in the middle of their semester. Um, I mean, I just don't see a way that, um, the college football plays games that aren't, you know, when the kids are in school, I just don't see that. So I could see them starting in, what is it, January and going all the way through into whenever spring break is or whenever their quarters are. 
So this is crazy. The dilemmas that we got here with all the sports, but what college sports, you need fans, but let's say we're still in social distancing for at least 12 months until they get a vaccine until they're able to make it readily available and that it works. We're going to be kind of stuck with uh, social distancing. So you're not gonna be able to pack in 90,000 people into the big house. You know, is it going to be like us one sixth of the crowd? And then if someone turns po- tests positive for COVID-19, you know, they're going to shut the schools down. Okay, everybody go back home. We're going back to, to online classes. Yeah. I mean, it could very well happen. Uh, I just, you know, it's, it's a tough thing. I just don't know. Like we've never been in this before. So it's all speculation. And uh, if they film it on TV, then that's fine. People, you know, but you're still out there. What if one of the players has COVID? It's, it's, it's a lot bigger than we are anticipating. Um, And there's a lot more schools than we're just thinking about, you know, there's, Arkansas State is a Division One school, and you have all these tiny little Division One schools that depend on the football team playing. And so you're going to see something weird here where the big-name schools are going to be on the TV, and then these little-name schools, like, how are you going to get access to seeing what your team is doing? Are they just going to post stuff online? Like, you know, yeah, it's, I guess it's, I guess through their website, that's probably what you'll that's, have that's to. That's about it. You're yeah. going to have to listen. And I think the more important thing is the revenue that would be generated from those games. Small schools like Kent State and Ball State. Yeah, they depend on that. And so if they're not getting that res, revenue. East Carolina. Like, East Carolina. You know, South like, Louisiana State. <laughs> Texas Western. God, there was so many know. of them. Stephen F. Austin. Yeah. It's just these tiny schools. Yeah. That, yeah I, it's, it's, uh, it'll be an interesting thing to see for sure. I'm just bummed about you, you had a lot of praise for this kid, Obi Toppin, you know, from Dayton. And I actually got to check out some of his games before they shut everything down. And, and it reminds me, and they talked about it when Kenyon Martin was with the, with the Bearcats back in Cincinnati. I think it was in 2000 or so. And um, it was the second game of the conference tournament. He blows out his knee. And he, by far, was the best player. He won the best player, you know, in college basketball that year. And didn't get a chance. Our best player. And then, and then the Bearcats got eliminated in the second round without him. Yeah. I mean, he, he was the force. I mean, he was the, the guy that had all the block shots, double-digit rebounds, double-digit scoring. He was just a dominant force. And that's kind of like what Obi Toppin was for, with Dayton Flyers. They're a top team in the country. Cincinnati at the time was the top team in the country and so, uh, without their best player, but this, they're just not going to play at all. So we're, we're just never uh, going to yeah. know. And, and if, is he going to go in the NBA? I wonder if he's going to yeah. come back. He's going to go to the NBA. Um, he's projected to be a top five pick, by the way. Does he have a jump um, shot? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, you know who he reminds me of? Who? Good old Len Bias. Way before yeah. your time. Len Bias was like that. Great score, but he had a smooth shot. But I'm sorry, go ahead. Is your thought? Oh, I mean, Obi Toppin is by far the, one of the better players in this draft. You don't find very many six nine guys that have his skill set. He's very similar and comparable to Jason Tatum. 
Um, and you don't want to go back into the history and see who Jason Tatum was picked before. Um, I think they had Markel Fultz. That was that draft. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, you don't want to pass up on a guy, but you'll probably see uh, as far as the NBA is concerned, I personally would love to see this. A March Madness style NBA tournament. One and done. You know, I, I think it would be wow. really interesting to see. That would be kind of, I think people. Or, or really like WNBA style, best of three, you know, the best first two three. rounds. And then, a, yeah. and then the conference championship, that would be the best of five. Then the championship would be best of seven. Now, I think you do like a round robin. You have three warm up games. It doesn't matter every team's in. And then you just put them in their respective divisions. Do it like you, World Cup style? Yeah. And then you just, yeah. You just and play then top two that. teams advance and then they get in, you know, through seating. So it's how you play. Oh, interesting. I actually I like think that. that would be, uh, I, I would be very happy to see that. And then it, maybe it it's a disadvantage solve. to the teams that are already at, sitting at the top of the number one seed and all, unless they get buys and it's just the other teams playing to get in. Who knows? I mean, Yes and no. Um, I, I think you would see these top teams, A, be happy that there's a season um, to begin with. I think the other thing about it is, yeah, the regular season is great and all, but we've already, like, you know, we've gotten to the point where we know what teams are good and we know what teams are bad. So we know that the if you match up the Lakers and let's take, um, I mean, Charlotte, who's going to win? Lakers. And in a one-game series, it's a little bit different. So you're going to see, you know, these top teams that could get upset. And I think it'd be better to see something like that than being watching them play 2K, uh, the basketball video game, or oh, them yeah. playing yeah. individual horse. Like, it's just – you got to no. figure out something. Those games were built off of what you guys do live. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And so moving on up, I know it's just crazy. You know, you think about hockey, you know, where the Ducks were at, and it's just such a bummer because they got so much young talent, both in the minor league and in the, in the NHL, you know, young, young talent. But they did make some trades, and they actually were starting to get putting some wins together, which was surprising. And now, you know, they got all this draft picks, but no season for these for the for the young team for the young players to develop, so I think yeah. it might put the Ducks back a year. If it is, it is. You know, um, I, I think the Ducks weren't going to be good next year. I we're kind of we're at a disadvantage because John Gibson's not getting any younger, um, and he's just like, he's like the best goalie in the league. He is. Right he's now. still got he's still got some years left in him. But you're right, he it's definitely getting, does getting a team up to speed to that point. I mean, they definitely got so much young talent. I mean, it still had their, their two strikers down in strikers, uh, you know, goal scores down to triple a at the seagulls, mm-hmm. you know, and they were supposed to come up at some point this year, but now we won't yeah. see that. It's just, yeah. you know, experience like that. So they'll just have to wait a year, but we'll see what happens. I mean, it just, it's really affecting all sports soccer yeah. too. I know soccer, Everything. uh, they're really crying out, but you brought, you sent me something really uh, interesting uh, the other day was the uh, Wimbledon. So Wimbledon canceled one of the first Grand Slams to cancel. The Australian Open's already been played. The French Open's postponed until the end of September. But Wimbledon, 
gets a $141 million insurance payout because they bought pandemic insurance back in 2003, paid $2 million a year for this insurance. Wow, you talk about forward thinking. Whoa. I know. I know. They look I like mean, G. Yeah. I, why aren't we able to do that here? Why Why aren't we seeing pandemic insurance like car insurance being advertised like that? I think I mean, why aren't we forward thinking? Thing. I think what it is here, we just get kind of stuck in a way. It's like, hey, we're America. We can do whatever we want. It's more of a knee jack reaction, or excuse me, knee jerk reaction as to whereas, you know, being prepared for things. I just figure, okay, we're wasting money in something that may or may not happen. But yeah, it may. It's, it's, a, it's not a matter of it may, it will happen. It's just a matter of when it will happen. And now we're going yeah. through it. This now is we're going to change a lot. It's like it's going to change. Yeah. Now, let me ask, where do you see post-COVID sports heading? It's kind of an interesting question because there's a, a couple of different avenues that you could see on it, but I wanted to get what your opinion was. What do you think it will be like when sports come back and there's no virus around? It's probably going to be after – it's going to be after a full year, probably not until next football season. You know, next summer, maybe, maybe next summer, if they got a vaccine, maybe by like the fall of football season in 2021 to get it back to normal. I think that's what we're looking at because right now they don't have a vaccine for this. And it's just, and it's also learning from this now and taking appropriate steps so we can be prepared for other pandemic issues that could arise. I mean, this is a, as one of the doctors was explaining was that, this mutation of this COVID virus, there's actually eight different strands that it's mutated yeah. into because it's been a sloppy process that it's been spreading that, uh, yeah, they hope to create a vaccine that will kill all eight strands. Yeah. That's going to take some so, time. So until then, we're going to be stuck with what we're doing now, either watching sports with on TV with no fans. Maybe they'll have a little bit of fans, but they'll have like distancing in the stadiums. I don't know how that's going to work out. But so for, how do you to think, answer your question, to get back to normal, yeah. I think it's going to be like later in 2021. Well, it's, it was more of a, a what do you think that people are going to consume sports? Like, how do you think that this is going to affect the way that we have viewed sports in the past? Do you think it will change? Do you think more people will watch at home as opposed to going to the stadium? Do you think – yeah, I think for now, uh, people will. Even when we start to go back to work and we're doing the social distancing, yeah, people are going to be weary. They're going to be afraid to go to concerts and, you know, going to sporting events. But there may be the other ones who aren't listening. Be like, yeah, I'm ready for some live sports. So it could be one of two things. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, the French Open is supposed to happen in September. So we'll see. We'll see if these big events. Really, the, the money line is, is these, if these events really going to happen? Is the U.S. Open for tennis going to happen? Uh, the Masters also got – postponed didn't it to november yep november yeah yeah so the masters even though tiger woods uh, the other night because this would have been the week of the masters this is it right here it's usually right around my birthday the, yep. or, or no i was last week the masters my because my birthday was last week so the masters was last week so tiger mm-hmm. woods hosted that dinner event it was just a day happy after birthday by the way happy birthday. birthday thank you very much <laughs> i think we're going to see post-covid when everything becomes normalized um we're going to see more people viewing at home and more people that are going to be 
uh, okay with sports betting. Um, the reason why I think that is because the XFL has kind of – the way that the NFL works is when something comes into its path, they try to eliminate it. And the way that they eliminate it is they make their product better. Right. So one of the things that the XFL has been doing that I really like is that they give constant coverage to, uh, you know, the fans – even to like the over extent of it, I watched my first XFL game and they were calling the plays. So you, we had Norm Chow. I, I, that's, that's a name from the past, Norm Chow. Yeah. Uh, and he was calling the plays and you're just sitting here on the mic and he's like, razor two red, S Y rifle. And I'm like, what in the heck is he saying? And then they run the routes. It's like yeah. almost over coverage. And I think the NFL will – will change how they view football games from going forward. And when this becomes a legalized thing, they're going to want to take the piece of the pie. Um, I think people go out uh, to games to get away from everything, but I think it changes because you're, you're there with a bunch of people. And I I think it kind of changes how we view things. Eventually we're going to get to a point where, look, you know, things are going to happen. We just got to be more prepared for it, but it, you know, eventually we got to get back to our normal lives, you know, with our, with our private, our, our events going out for entertainment and things like that. So, you know, I know for the next year or so, it's going to be a different world, but even after that, you're right, Matt, it's going to be a little different how we consume sports. I mean, a lot of people enjoy watching it on TV anyway. Heck, I watched the Super Bowl in Australia on a couch. <laughs> yeah. at, a, at a brewery, which was awesome. Super Bowl Monday, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, it's just going to be interesting how all this shapes up, and it's just really changed, you know, really right now. I mean, heck, I don't know. We're so bored being quarantined at home. Nothing to do. No sports to play. Yeah. Have you have you watched anything uh, sports-related that you just normally old, wouldn't have watched? Old videos. Uh, on my birthday, they had a, a video of Ken Griffey Jr. hit his first home run as a Red, and he did it on my birthday back in 2000. April 9th, 2000, he had a, a just a beautiful swing Ken Griffey Jr. had. It just crushed the ball to right field. Right I mean, side. I yeah. I turned on 2001 MLS soccer final yeah. with the Galaxy and Kobe Jones against the Earthquakes. Uh, I can't remember who was on the Earthquakes at the time. But, yeah, like the most random things are on ESPN right now. But the one thing I did watch was it's called The Scheme. Uh, it's on HBO. If you have HBO, I would definitely recommend watching scheme. it. The scheme. It is about uh, Christian Dawkins. Now, um, Christian Dawkins. For those of you who do not know, he was the center of the college basketball bribery scandal, where they were paying college assistant coaches, and they were trying to make this into this huge thing, right? And it's all from his perspective, but you saw this when this first came out, me and you talked about it and right. they said that this was huge. We got all these people and it was really the FBI trying to get Christian Dawkins to flip on all of his college basketball friends that he's been working with and trying to set people up and they botched everything. And the FBI looks terrible in this 
in this documentary and it's strictly around Christian, but um, it's worth a watch because of how, you know, you, you see this and inside you, think it's it. you be, see the inside, what's really going on behind closed doors that you don't see. Right. It was like, Oh, yeah. this is going to happen. And then it never happened. And then yeah. people forgot about it. Yeah. And so it was really good to see um, how that kind of worked. Uh, it made it seem like the FBI really was the ones that kind of were pushing for this to be bigger than it really was. And you see in uh, the documentary how they kind of have um, put pressure on him in all the different kind of ways. So it's definitely worth a watch. Yeah. I don't want to spoil too much of it. If no, no, you don't want to. You know, that's another thing I have been doing. I would watch a lot of those documentaries like Screwball. That was a good one. That was a good one. And that was a good really follow-up to, to uh, Jose Canseco. You know, mm-hmm. There's one documentary where he did, where it's the only time he did it from start to finish. And you know what? After watching that, you really get a good understanding of what really went down because you're getting a true inside source. And it's just hard when you become that first whistleblower in any field, doesn't matter what you're at, you have the hardest thing. Sometimes you lose your life, but people turn against you and you just have so much pressure because they're just trying to get avoid to have the truth come out. And finally the truth does come out and here we have it. Even that's kind yeah. of forgotten. And even in, in the case of Christian Dawkins, right, he had the opportunity to be the big whistleblower and that's what the FBI um, which it, it was technically the FBI that um, is the North, uh, I forget somewhere, it's the Manhattan District of New York, right? And they historically are are just, they'll go after the big name celebrities. Upper we don't East care Side? Who you are. Yeah, or, Upper or East low, Side. Or Lower East Side? I think it's the Upper lower East Manhattan. Side Court yeah. District, and yeah. they are all about just. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, like the, the Lower Stewart. West. Side. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's worth a watch. That's really good. Yeah. Um, man, a lot of great stuff, but, man, we've seemed to run out of time. Oh, we could go on forever. I love this I show, Sports Matters. You can catch us on KUCI.org and click on the show schedules and you'll get to us. But it's better to go to anchor.fm and type in Sports Matters. Sports, plural, matters. Because all sports matters. And I love up. your grandmas. That's good. I love enough. your grandmas.